Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Marriage and Martinis. Today, Wait, you're starting? I started already. Wow, that's new. It is new. I always start. Mm-hmm. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Marriage and Martinis. Oh, interesting. I'm Adam. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep going. Okay. Welcome to Marriage and Martinis. You said that already. I am Adam, uh-huh. and you are? Danielle. Okay. Now you can... Oh, thank you. <laughs> wow. Thank, good thing you did that. <laughs> Today, we have Jody Utter on of Utter Imperfection, U-T-T-E-R, not U-D-D-E-R, like utter Like a cow? No. No. No, Utter Imperfection. Okay. Um, you've heard me talk about her before in many, our episodes. Many times. Not only that. She became like a big inspiration for me because like way back when you were like, hey, there's this blogger I I follow or whatever, and let's talk about soft landings. And I was like, what what are you talking about? Like, I have no idea. And you mentioned to me during the episode that she is the soft landing girl, Mm -hmm. right? She is the soft landing girl. I was so like, I was, I was almost like. Celebrity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like that around her too. And she is like us, I feel like, in the sense that she is sort of this anti-shame culture, which is saying, enough of this. Let's stop being worried about saying something because of how we're going to be perceived or how other people are going to judge us. That is actually the opposite. It's how we find our people, right? By telling our stories, you figure out who to get the hell out of your life and who's there for the long haul. And so... She is somebody for me who, since I started blogging about two years ago, I have felt a connection to and because she's so honest and open and you feel like you can say anything to her. And I hope that everyone listening to this story will give her the acceptance and the love that she needs and deserves because she's being so brave and she's leading the way for all of us to tell our stories. So... Just listen and enjoy, and I think you're going to get something from it, no matter what your situation in life is. to be with you here. Oh, I am so happy to be with the two of you. Can I fawn all over you for a minute? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Adam's not used to that. Yeah. What? Oh, wow. <laughs> well, so I came to know Danielle through her blog, through an article she wrote on the reverse before and after photo. You know, the one. Do yeah. You know? Which one? The one where I posted uh, the picture of me. You know, everyone usually does the before photo where you're heavier and then the after photo where yes. you're thinner. And I kind of flipped them and was like, okay, well, this was me five years ago when I was thinner. And now here I am now heavier and, you know, it's all good. So, um, uh, well, usually it's all good. Sometimes it's not all good. Yeah. <laughs> 
sister. I knew you were part of my tribe. You were my people just from, it was love at first read from that. I've watched the evolution of this podcast and I've just been so excited from day one. And I listened to the guilt episode in preparation for this. And can I just tell you, I'm just so proud of the two of you and <laughs> listening to it. I don't know how much you've gotten a lot of feedback because it's your most downloaded episode so far, correct? Yeah, we get tons of feedback on it. Yes, the guilt one. But listening to it, like I, I was getting out of the store at the Dollar Tree to get some baby shower wrapping paper. And I'm like, <gasps> I can't <do> <laughs> like, the moment, I mean, it was excruciating to listen to because of how hard it is to tell the truth and to own our shit. But oh my gosh, it was so beautiful. The two of you doing it like gorgeous and beautiful. And it's the stuff that's the kind of story that I live for and that I try and turn around and tell to the next one in line. So that's why I love the two of you so much. Uh, yeah, and I feel the same about you, and I have obviously, you know, since I guess what, what it's been like a year and a half that we've sort of known each other from just being online and everything, and um, yeah, and your bravery, and our listeners all know you because I talk about Jody Utter all the time with your soft landing and everything, so they're all very aware of you, and they know that she's I have, she's soft, soft landing. landing, hello, oh, this is so just- much respect. <laughs> Well, this is this yeah this is why I love you so much because your story I was a soft place to land for that that story of guilt that you told because hey I've been there and that, yeah. ca- that came up early in our episodes well I always right? think about the soft landing because that's kind of what I want I want us to be a soft landing place where people can tell us wherever we want and um you know and I think I I, I hope that's the community that we're creating and that you're creating in the midst of this whole filtered, you know, perfection. Um, let's pretend that everything is going just fine when really we feel like we're going to explode on the inside. I'm done with all that. Yeah. The world is hard enough. We're trying to be the antidote. And I yes. think we are. Yeah. I feel like we're like that anti-shame culture. No, no shame. No shame. No shame for you. So I want, I want you to kind of tell, I want to just sit back while you sort of tell your story because it is such a story of, um, you know, I, I'm sure uh, emotion and bravery. And um, I know that we could all just, you know, even just hearing your story, we can all relate on some level. Um, and so I'd love you to just tell it however you want to tell it. Sure. Well, I'll ask for patience in advance because one of the reasons I write is because the spoken word is hard for me like I get lost in my train of thought I start slurring my words and forget my place and what where was I what I said like so if that happens our listeners are very used to all of that (laughs) by the end of an episode I sometimes can't even speak I'm either crying too hard or yeah when I write all that you don't see or hear any of that like I take care of that on the back end and I give you the finished product when I write so you're hearing the initial product in real time with a story. But but still very scary to put it out into the world writing. Yeah, I mean, it is and isn't. And that's a unique part of my story. It really wasn't for me. And that's why I tell it. And so we'll get to that. But so my story starts with, um, so we've been married for 23 years, Mr. Utter Imperfection and I, as I like to affectionately refer to him. His name is Eric. We've been married for 23 years. So three years ago, when we had been married for 20 years, he confessed to me that he had been unfaithful. And his affair was three years prior to that. So that would have been when we were married for 17 years. He had made the choice to be unfaithful um, with a coworker. And it was a short-lived affair over in just a month and a half, a couple of months. And then 
he recommitted to our relationship, to our marriage, to our family, unbeknownst to me. And I didn't find out about it for another three years. And it wasn't until he was forced to tell me. His affair was discovered in the workplace. He was a captain at the sheriff's office here where we live. And while they were investigating a coworker for criminal behavior, um, Eric's affair came to light. Um, was alleged by another coworker and then investigated. Um, so at that point, Eric had no choice and had to tell me. Um, so at the same time that I was finding out that he had been unfaithful, I found out he was losing his job and our income. Wow, well, thank you. I mean, I appreciate you sharing that so much. And I can, I know that just to get the words out and to put them out into the world is hard because we've done it. And I appreciate that you're doing that. And I can tell you right now that there are so many people listening who maybe haven't had the exact same experience, but something somewhat similar. Um, so when you first found out, what, can you tell us about your initial reaction? Because I think that's always a big thing is, you know, um, you, you know, especially if you're shocked. And I think that the big thing is, well, when you first hear something like that, you, you must just, you're floored. Yeah. So I found out in the middle of the night, two o'clock in the morning, I woke up and what woke me up was Eric's restless energy. He was awake and something about the, the vibe that he was putting out woke me up and he heard me stir and he said, Jody, I have something to tell you. And I knew immediately what he was going to say. And I don't know if you've ever had a near-death experience, either of you, the two of you. I've had three now. I'm going to count that as the third one. The first time I was in a fire when I was a teenager, I was in a tent fire. We were trapped inside our camping tent, and it was on fire from the inside. And I oh my God. hit the, the wall of the tent with my elbow, and I couldn't budget. And so I literally laid down in the corner and thought, oh, well, this is it. I'm going to die. I didn't. That's another story for another day. But I really felt like I was going to in that instant because I couldn't get out of the tent. Second time was after I had my first child. I had what is called a vagal nerve response. And so um, before they sent a stat order for epinephrine that they stabbed in my leg, I literally felt like the life force inside me starting to leave my body. And I thought, oh, this is it. <laughs> Here I go. And Eric reports that he, he was watching my eyes when this was happening. And he saw me like dying, like he could see it happening. And then this third time of being told that my husband had been unfaithful, felt like I was going to die. What happened inside my body, I felt like I can't sustain this. This is going to kill me. Like that's the feeling that happened inside my body at the time. So that was my initial response because it was a total blindside. I never, ever, ever in a million years would have thought Eric capable of cheating. Nothing I knew about him, nothing I'd ever seen, heard, would ever have given me the indication, the impression that he would ever have made this choice. And I never would have made this choice. And I can say that with 100% certainty. I am not an angel and I've done a lot of horrible things and I've behaved horribly and I probably will again still, but I, that's not something that's in me to do. And I guess I should never say never because I'm learning to do that. But I, it just never occurred to me, total, total, total blindside. So I think that was part of the reason what was responsible for that initial reaction and, and why I felt it so deeply inside my body is it just a complete total shock. 
and you know a lot of people will say well if if my husband cheats or my wife cheats and they think about it ahead of time and they have this idea in their head what they would do i never thought about it one time in 20 years of marriage it just never even occurred to me that it was something to think about ahead of time it wasn't even on my radar yeah, we actually I did a poll today and, you know, it was you can tell people are, uh, you know, there are some people who say, I really don't know, it would depend on the situation. And then, you know, there's a whole lot of people. I think it was 70% of people who say, no, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'd leave. But you, until you're in this situation, you really can't, I, I feel like you can't, you think, you know, but every circumstance is different. Yeah. Um, and um at that moment, was there a part of you that was like, I, I, I need to leave, I need to go, that's it? Well, two things I think about that, when people say that, I think one of two things, when they say, I'd be out, and I think, okay, you haven't been through it. Mm -hmm. And the second thing is, I think that we want ourselves to want to leave. Like if we think through, like we are betrayed in the worst way we can imagine inside our marriage, we would want ourselves to leave. Like do the right thing and get out of there. <laughs> like, I don't think it's necessarily always that this is what I would do. I think people are speaking more from a place of this is what I would want myself to do for myself. And that I can totally understand. Uh, I never once had that reaction. I knew instantly, and I still can't explain it to this day because it doesn't make any sense to me, but I knew instantly that I would stay and that I still loved my husband and that I wanted to work towards renewal and repair. And that's not changed, not even one time. It's been three years. So I never ever questioned staying. Here's what I questioned. Why aren't you questioning this? Why don't you wanna leave? I'm a psychology major. And so the, the study of the human mind is, is never far from my mind. And I, I just think we're fascinating creatures in the way we behave and the choices we make. And I couldn't understand why that never even occurred to me once. Why don't you want to? Why don't you want to leave? That was what I had a hard time with. The why. I um. I was gonna say. I know a lot of times, especially your you were stay at home mom. You were stay at home mom. At, at, at when I, I mean, was while they were while your kids were growing up or at the time it happened. So I was always a stay at home mom until the kids went to school and then I worked in their schools and once they were in middle school and high school, I started to take on other jobs. Um, but I, until then, I only took jobs that allowed me to be home when they were home. Because so I think a lot of times, if you're in, you know, if you're a stay-at-home mom, or your first thought is, why, where am I going? I have no, you know, where is it? but he had also lost his job. So you were sort of in the same, you know, you could have, it could have kind of been a clean break, you know, like it could have been that a lot of times people stay for financial reasons, but had you left, it was sort of starting from, you know, like from scratch again anyway. Yeah. So well, went through my head too is, and even though it was a terrible financial situation and, and maybe it would have been a good time to make a clean break, I, I thought of it as, well, we couldn't afford to separate now even if I wanted to. How would we do that? We don't have money to run and sustain one household at this current time, let alone two. Like it just, I didn't see any way. And that I didn't have a lot of anger, which is another thing that I kept questioning. Anger was just not my response to Eric. My, my response was an overwhelming sadness, an overwhelming sense of grief and loss and deep mourning for the relationship that, not even that I thought we had because I knew our relationship wasn't perfect, but the relationship that I, I wanted us 
to have had. Um, no anger. There were a couple episodes where I got angry, but it was situational inside this whole story and it wasn't about the affair itself. When I, one of the things that I told um, our couples therapist was that I was so angry about, and this is what in one of our individual sessions because we had some individual and some couples counseling. And I told her, I am so angry because I don't want to leave, but what if I did? I can't afford to leave right now. And that pisses me off. Like, that makes me angry that my choices are limited because I, we did choose for me to be a stay-at-home mom and I, I don't have an income or I can go get a job, but I don't have a career that can, um, you know, the, or I can't earn a living wage to maintain a house and raise children on my own. And that, my station in life, the choices that we had made as a couple and where, what my choices were then as a result of that, how limited they seemed is what made me mad. And here's how she calmed me down and fixed that. She said, okay, well, right. Maybe right now you can't. She said, but he will get another job. Money will come in again and everything will smooth out financially. And then you will be able to leave. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> Just something about like, you can't do it now, but you will be able to at some point. And it gave me that choice back, that option. And then I calmed right down about that. Not feeling trapped. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's hard too, on top of it, where you feel like you have, you're forced to make a decision. But even if you want to make that decision, you feel trapped. Yes. Yeah. And then, I mean, it just, com it just compounds everything. It adds right. Layer, layer of everything that goes on in the story of infidelity. And then it's after he told you that um, you started to see it on the news and everything. Was it sort of right after that, that here you are, you're dealing with your own marriage and in some way, it, you know, you, even if you couldn't keep it a secret, even if you'd wanted to, so you were forced, you were both kind of forced, you were thrown into dealing with it. Yeah. At first I felt a huge burden of having our story told publicly because there was no hiding from it. And of course, this is not something you want anybody to know about. Maybe never. Um, and we just had no choice. And I just remember thinking, that, you know, how much worse can this possibly be in a fair and a loss of a career? And it's on the news and our kids know. I mean, it's like, what is happening? But so quickly, I realized, okay, the, our story is told. I can't do anything about it. It's being told so terribly with half truths and um, and only one sided. Just you know the um, shock and awe of you know Eric wasn't even in a, in a public official. He wasn't elected. He's just a county employee. Um, so it's not. It wasn't political in nature at all. It had no business being on the news. I'll maintain that to my day, dying day. It was a personal story, a mistake that he made in in his personal life that just happened to have a professional ramification. And I just, it's just, to me, it's the same as if the, uh, our clerk at Safeway had had an affair and seen that on the news. It's like, wait, what, why? <laughs> it doesn't belong there. Um, but I realized in looking back- Your town now, must be really boring. <laughs> well, you know, I, I trace that back to the source and, um, the, and the way the media got a hold of the story. And, um, I think it was very deliberate and very purposeful. Um, and I think that's why it, it took on like it did, like wildfire. Um, but I realized really quickly and thankfully so quickly that, well, this is something that normally is so secretive in a relationship because 
the offended is trying to protect the offender in case that the relationship can be salvaged, in case there can be a reconciliation. Um, and so you're not going to go tell your parents and your best friends, oh, guess what my husband just did because of the guilt and the shame and the, um, you know, we're told a lot of the times in the church, we're told early on that you're not supposed to talk about the things that happen in your marriage with other people, that that's um, hurtful to your marriage and not helpful. And, you know, you can buy into that sometimes that, oh, this has to stay private because it is. But I don't think I could have healed if I could, if I hadn't been able to talk about our story. If I had had to keep it inside and never tell anybody, I think I would be a raisin of a person today, I would be shriveled up. I wouldn't, I would be just a shred of my former self. I don't think Eric and I would have survived. I think it would have ruined me. And I don't have that burden of secrecy, secrecy and shame um, because my story was told for me publicly. Well, and can I interject that I, in some ways, I think sometimes things happen, obviously things happen for a reason. And I feel like if there's one person who's meant to tell a story, it's you. You're such a phenomenal storyteller that, you know, if you're going to speak on behalf of women all over or men or whomever has been betrayed or, I mean, it, it, it makes in, in some way, it makes perfect sense that you were chosen. So, you know, if that's any kind of consolation or anything, like it seems fitting to me, not, not that you should have to bear the brunt of it, but but I, I do think that you're, you were like chosen on, you know, in some way it worked out for, thankfully for all of us who need a voice. So, so thank you. Well, thank you. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it was Glenn and Doyle. She wrote Love Warrior and Carry On Warrior, one of my guru life whisperer truth tellers. And she explains uh, how to find your passion in life. It's something that so many of us kind of rattle around this world trying to find our purpose and our passion. And she says it's almost always born from something that nearly kills you, that you hate, that you can't stand to see happen in the world to even one more person. That is your passion and that's where you're meant to be working. And so I, I can see very clearly now that that's why some of this went down the way it did because I don't have to be quiet. I don't have to keep this a secret. And not only that, my husband welcomes me writing and sharing publicly about it because I tell the whole story, not half of it, not parts of it, not the sensational parts. Um, and I tell the truth about it. And then I tell the next part of the story, which is beautiful. And I take care of him in it. I don't bash him. And I don't, um, he's got no reason um, not to support me. And, and he's my biggest fan in everything I write and everything I share. Um, and he's appreciative of how I tell our story. I get that question a lot of, what does he think about? And it's like, well, what's he going to think about it? <laughs> the story was told for us. We had no choice but to roll with that. And so this is how we're rolling with it. So as you know, I've been trying to get my sh stuff together. Uh, working out is a big part of that. But I hate going to the gym. I hate getting ready and like driving to the gym and working out and like you have to go there and do your own thing. And if you want to have somebody helping you, it's, it's hundreds of dollars a month, like just for personal trainers. So I wanted to work out at home. So I found this thing called OpenFit. It's a brand new platform. It takes all the complexity out of losing weight and getting fit. It's, it's brand new. It's super simple. It's streaming. So as you like to stay at hotels... That is correct. You could work out from your phone at a hotel, or if they have a smart TV, you could do it there. You could do it anywhere. Like it's, 
It's literally like 600 seconds of working out. That's nothing. It's 10 minutes. Oh, is that what 600 seconds is? 600 seconds. Yes. Okay. Very good. Well, and isn't the workout like you can do Tough Mudder workouts? You can do Tough Mudder okay, workouts. Okay, I have done three Tough Mudders. I'm dying to do another one. Yeah. I'm doing the Tough Mudder workouts, and I'm going to kick your ass at the Tough Mudder. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, your butt yeah. at, the, at the Tough Mudder. Okay. Sign up. Go to um, openfit.com. Sign up and use the code MARTINIS when you check out, or you could even text MARTINIS to 303030. That'll get you the same discount and it'll get you an extended 30 days of free trial. Cool. Very cool. Awesome. Lots more to talk about. So sign up. I want to do it with you. Connect with me. We'll do it. It's fun. Okay. All right. What do you think would have happened had it not been made public? Would he have fessed up to you? Would would he? Oh, ever? Yeah. (laughs) No. He um, didn't want to tell me he thought I would leave him. He was certain I would leave him. So it's why he never told me. Um, and not until he was absolutely forced to. And even then, the telling came in fits and starts and bits and pieces. And he only told me what he thought he really had to because it was excruciatingly hard for him to tell me how badly he had hurt me. And he thought, if I tell her this, she's, she's going to leave Maybe she could take this, but if I tell her this, mm-hmm. she can leave. Okay, she took that, but if I tell her this, oh, yeah, I can I can relate. I understand. <laughs> um, also, did he tell you? Did he tell you why? Did, why he had given a reason? Why? Why the affair? Why it happened? Yeah, did you ask him why? What made him? Do what it? was the reason yeah, for? I asked him why. And right. I'm sure you did. That was the biggest hurdle for me. Was coming to an understanding. I look at this man and everything I knew about him just went out the window. Who are you now? If you can do this, who are you? For so long, it felt like it was happening to somebody else, not me. It felt like it was an out of body thing. Like like still to this day, three years later, it's very hard for me to actually believe he did that. Even though he told me he did, I know the details. I, I still can't believe it in some ways. Um, And so I did, yeah, coming to the understanding of how could you possibly have done this and how are we victims of of what happens more than it doesn't, come to find out. And he told the truth. And that's one of the reasons we're still together today. And the truth is he had become arrogant. He had um, lost sight of who he was as a person and what was important to him. He'd become selfish, um, all about his needs and wants and and all everything that he said I knew it was the truth as he was telling it because I'd lived with him for 20 years and law enforcement changed him drastically as a person and even seven years into the career he was not the man I married and he stayed in that career way too long and our marriage almost paid the ultimate price for it Uh, It's a demanding career and it exacts so much from the people that serve as police officers. And I know marriages um, are hard enough to maintain just in the civilian world, but you add in um, law enforcement as a career for either spouse on top of it. And oh my gosh, nearly impossible. I don't know how anybody stays together while maintaining a career in law enforcement. Um, So he just, he told me the truth. He told me um, he accepted all the blame. Um, never once to this day has he tried to lay any of the blame at my feet. He's 
um, sole owner of his choice and knows he could have made a better choice. He had many other choices. Um, and also the, th the things that I had done to, so I, I have to be careful and make sure I say the right words because people will, will still hear me the way they want to hear me, but I will, I don't accept any of the blame for Eric's choice. None of his choice had anything to do with me, although I know exactly what I did to contribute to the decline of our marriage and to the less than ideal state of our marriage. I had this weird sensation immediately when he told me he had been unfaithful of our entire um, marriage up to that point in time flashing before my eyes, and I saw everywhere I had gone wrong, and I felt a huge responsibility for that. And that's not the same thing as taking blame for his choice. And I, I never will, because I don't believe that I have any, any blame in the choice that he made. But I do play a role, I did play a role in the state of our marriage and how he could get to a place where he could make that change. And he wasn't feeling desired. He wasn't feeling important. He wasn't feeling loved. He wasn't feeling um, like a married person. He was feeling like a roommate and um, a partner in childcare and, um, partner in paying the bills and mowing the lawn. Well, the that, answer is that. Yeah, yeah no. no. That's a, have you ever confronted her? I don't, you don't have to go into that. No. Wow. Oh, okay. And you don't have to answer that, but no, I mean. I don't know her. Thank you. Okay. So right. I was, I, this is so funny to say too, but I feel like Eric had the good kind of affair, which doesn't exist. It's a so it's a stupid way to refer to it, but it was super short lived. Um, there was no um, there was the conception of a child. There wasn't um, an emotional attachment. There it was it was basically it wasn't your physical. best friend. <laughs> you know, and I didn't know this person. Like, if I were going to be able to get past this, I mean, everything sort of lined up to help me be able to get past this. Um, I hear from women all the time who found out their husbands were having affairs for 10 years and, and there's other families and there was traveling together. And I just, I think, oh my God, like, oh, I mean, there are degrees of affairs. And I mean, just like there are degrees of what people define an affair as. Is it just, is it kissing? Is it just an emotional connection? Is it on intercourse. I mean, there, I think there are degrees of affairs as well. And, and luckily I didn't know her. I didn't even recognize her name. I realized in past, in looking back, I probably met her, but I didn't even realize that I did probably, but I looked her up on Facebook. <laughs> of course. And, and here's why I had to know everything. I had to know what I was dealing with. I had to know what I was going to try to get past. So I knew I knew I was going to stay. I didn't know how to stay. I had no clue. I didn't know what the first step was. I want to stay, but how? How am I going to do this? And one of the things that I needed is to know everything. I needed all the details, the whole truth, everything. And the reason was because I needed to know what is it that I'm going to try to forgive and get past. And one of those things was, who was this person? And so I looked her up on Facebook. She's gorgeous. She's beautiful. She's younger. She's exactly what you would think is the cliche of why a man would have an affair, which I know it doesn't go down that way all the time, but it's still a cliche, younger and prettier and all these things. 
it doesn't always go down that way. I, don't, I think it's the movies and books. I don't know why we have this perception in our mind, but I'm just like, oh, yeah, of course, <laughs> of course he slept with her. Of course it's going to be somebody like that. And then that was it. That's it. I just, no, I don't think about her whatsoever because if it wasn't her, it would have been somebody else is the way I think about it. Um, yeah, I better just leave it at that. <laughs> well, that's what I talk about Esther Perel all the time. And I know that you also have read her books and have sort of, because she has such an interesting perspective on infidelity. And she always says that, you know, it's that the affair is not usually about the partner. It's about, you know, it's about the person's, it's not about them feeling like, a disconnect from you. It's about them feeling a disconnect from themselves and seeking elsewhere to find that missing piece. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that, that it's not, you know, we, we blame ourselves and we're like, what's wrong with us when really it probably has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with them and something they're trying to fulfill, you know, or fill within themselves. Yes, I just, so when I talked about understanding how key that was for me to be able to move on, I had to understand um, why affairs happen and how Eric could have made this choice and and what role did I play in it? And I, I just sought so much understanding and it, a lot of it came from Esther and I found her by way of the Dear Sugars podcast. They did an episode on infidelity that was in such um, high demand for, um, they had so many reader responses and questions and can you play it again? And they turned it into a four part series. And the fourth part was an interview with Esther Perel. And that's how I came to know who she was. And so for those of you who don't know, she's a world renowned psychotherapist and, um, she specializes in couples therapy specifically in helping people get past infidelity and relationship problems. And I just rewatched her Ted talk a couple of times over the last couple of days and she talks about why do even happy people cheat? I mean, if, if we, we know some of the reasons people cheat, um, but even happy people and people that have fairly happy marriages will cheat. And she said that often it's not, someone doesn't cheat because they're turning away from their partner, their spouse, they're turning away from the person they've become and they're looking for a different self. And, and I definitely think that Eric falls into that category of I don't think he really liked who he was at that point. And I know he, he didn't like who he was inside of our marriage. Um, and I can totally understand why he made that choice, which is not the same thing as condoning it. Something else that people hear me say, even when I don't, I do not condone his choice. I never will. I don't think it's the right thing to do or an okay thing to do, but I can understand why people do it. And how, how's he, how did he go about, like, when you told him that you wanted to stay, what were the first steps for both of you to sort of try to rebuild and repair? What, what, were, what was the first big step? You said you didn't know what to do. You didn't know, but you had to take a step. What was that? Yeah. He took really good care of me because I was a mess. I um, didn't stop crying for weeks. I didn't sleep, I didn't eat, and I couldn't even breathe. And I feel like when I write about this, I feel like people might skip over it and think that, oh, that's just a you know, drama, writer words, drama, um, platitude, that it was hard to breathe. When I say it was hard to breathe, I actually couldn't breathe regularly for weeks. And I, I didn't even notice I was doing it. 
I think my mom was the first one that pointed it out, but I would, I would be breathing. I would just be going about my normal business and I'd go <gasps> like that, just out of the blue. And I would do that several times in the course of an hour and all day long. And I didn't even notice it until somebody pointed it out. And, and then even when I did notice it, I couldn't stop it. It was just something that was happening inside my body. It was like a physical response to the emotional pain. And so he took really good care of me and seeing how me being hurt hurt him was another key component and you know Esther Perel talks about too, too that that healing can only start when the person that hurt the other person admits what they've done and and feels remorse and regret and once when that is expressed to the person that they've hurt that's when healing can actually begin so we got started on the healing right away because of Eric's response to how he had hurt me. And I, I saw that it probably hurt him more than it hurt me, believe it or not. And that was key for me to be able to see that, okay, the Eric I know is still in there and coming back to me in real time. And I don't believe that any of us are our mistakes. I believe we're more so what we do right after. And Eric's after to this date, three years later has been impeccable. It's been everything that I needed to happen to be able to move on, to be able to stay before I even knew what that was. So when you ask, what did I need and what did we do? It just kind of played out in real time. And, and Eric's largely responsible for that. He, he did everything right. And I didn't ever question his remorse or regret even one time. And we went to counseling and without counseling, we would not be here today as a couple. There's no way. If anybody has made it through infidelity without counseling, that I would call a miracle because I don't know how you'd do it. Do you think that your marriage now is even stronger than it was before this happened? The first part of that question cut out. Oh, I'm sorry. I said, do you, do you feel like maybe your marriage now is even stronger than it was before this happened? Like, they, that's also something I think that people find, is, and, and as Esther Perel talks about, is that you know what people don't don't understand sometimes is that sometimes there's like a renewed vitality in the marriage and and it, it works into something even different and you've overcome this hurdle together and you know and it grows into something way better than it was before the incident even happens not that that always happens obviously right so when I talk about how it flashed before my eyes everything that I had done to contribute to the decline of our marriage. I think back and, you know, at seven years of marriage, 10 years, 15 years, and I feel like our marriage was pretty normal in all the things that we struggled with. But I couldn't get past some of those things. We weren't getting past some of those things together. So maybe while the things that we struggled with were normal, I don't think our, our the way we were dealing with them was normal and healthy and productive. And I asked for counseling several times over the years and Eric was never willing to go. But what he would always do, he would always sincerely say, I hear you, I understand the problem, I know what you're talking about, I think I'm to blame for it and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do better there. I'm gonna really you know, do, work hard to do better and he meant it every single time, it just never happened. We just didn't have the tools to, to bridge the gap and meet in the middle on these issues that we had. And that's when I, gave up. I just checked out. I was like, you know what? I have tried. I've done everything. I've asked for counseling. He won't go. He says he'll fix it. He doesn't. And it was just this 
this um, hamster wheel of Groundhog Day over and over again. And, and I remember just feeling like, well, forget it. Like I've tried and I'm not going to divorce this man. I grew up um, and dealt with three different divorces. My mom's been married four times now. And I didn't want that lifestyle for myself or my family. And so divorce is something that I will always fight my hardest against. And it's always going to be a last option for me. Save abuse or a life-threatening situation or a situation that I'm not safe in. But other than that, I will always work hard against it. And I thought to myself, well, I'm not going to divorce him, but I'm just going to I'll be here. I'll go through the motions, but it's not really a real marriage anymore. We're just not cutting it. We're not doing it, but we'll just stick it out till the kids are raised and then, and then we'll see. And his response to that was to have an affair. And I can see how he got there because I, I left him emotionally uh, while I was still with him physically, that wasn't going to be enough for him. And, and there were better ways to deal with that. Um, But I look back and I think if, gosh, if we had gone to counseling, then (laughs) Look at what we maybe could have avoided now. Um, So definitely that counseling. And so we sat down and our counselor said, okay, on average, it takes couples two years to move past an affair. And I, that there was another episode of anger when she said that I wanted to scream. I felt like I was going to come out of my skin. I felt like I was just going to start climbing the walls. And I thought, two years of my life feeling like I feel right now, I can't do it. Like I almost bailed at that point because I just couldn't see a two year period of all of this trauma and and emotional turmoil. And we finished couples counseling in a year and we feel some pride in that because it was a year early. (laughs) It took two years to heal. She was right about that. But at a year into couples counseling, we went in one day and she was like, you know, I think my work here is pretty much done. I feel like you guys are good. Like you've got the tools, you're using them. And we were feeling that going in. And I don't know if we had talked about it or not together out loud, but we did there. We, we said, you know what, we're feeling that way too. So this is a really good consensus. And she said one of the things that um, she knew initially when we first came in that we were going to make it. And the way she could tell is that we sat right next to each other on the couch Um, where sometimes couples won't even sit on the couch together. One will sit on the couch and one will stand across the room in the corner. And then that's how their coupling, their counseling session goes down. But for every single session, we sat right next to each other. You couldn't even have slid a piece of paper in between our legs. We were so close and we held hands the whole time. We were like two terrified children just sitting there, just like fighting for our lives and um, afraid for our lives. And she said she knew right then the way we, um, interacted with each other when we were with her that we were going to be just fine and that kind of lends to your question of well is it better today our relationship today is better than it's ever been which is 100% surprising it's like I said so much of this doesn't make sense how can that be after an affair after the unthinkable and unimaginable and worst thing that you can think of happening in your relationship but it is it doesn't make it any less true it's just true and you both worked hard. So that, you know, that is kind of telling, I think it needs to be a mutual, you know, hundred percent effort on both parts. And it seems like in your case there was, so you definitely had the odds in your favor. Yeah. And to me, that ingredient is key. I think it takes both people being all in 100% committed 
and mostly committed to owning your own shit um, because I did play a role in everything that went down. And while I don't own his choice or take any blame for it, I do understand how he got there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And if I want him to fix the things that he did wrong and I want him to do better, then I have to do the same. And it would be so just selfish and bunk logic to, to not believe that. So also it was, it's like, it was like a cleansing for me. It was an opportunity for me to be like, well, here's everywhere I went wrong and everything I need to fix and, and do better to move forward. And yeah, we were able to do that. And why, why do you think it is that you were able to get, uh, finish therapy in a year or in a year early? Like what, what was really behind it? Why do you think you beat the odds? Like what, what was different in your situation? It was Eric doing everything I needed him to do from day one and never wavering. If I needed to talk about what happened, you know, for the 117th time, <laughs> he would do that. If, um, if I just, it didn't matter what it was, if I needed it, he would do it. And a lot of times, like I said, before I even knew I needed it. So he really drove um, how quickly I could heal in the process. And he, he really, he literally leaving the sheriff's office was something that needed to happen so much sooner. We can see that now, but he literally went back to the, the man he was when I married him. And, and that was um, healing too, because that man was awesome. Um, what else? The love, but that makes sense. I mean, well, you don't have to. Yeah. The to... love didn't die either. I mean, Esther Perel talks about something so um, traumatic like this can have one of two effects. It can either um, give you more chance than you've ever had uh, of getting to a good place together because of um, the fear of what you almost lost can just kickstart that in you, or it can be like, oh, I knew it. There's nothing here. This is a, a, you know, this relationship is over. It can be one of the two things. And for us, the, the love didn't die. It, it never had. And that's, you know, one of the hard things about affairs. It's, you feel like, oh, well, you didn't, you don't love me if you could do this or, but that's not always it. There's just so many other factors mm -hmm. at play. So you're trying to get your stuff together. Sure. When we were talking to Amy, our resident life coach, I said one of my goals for 2019 is that I want to start taking care of my health more. I've been horrible at it. Yeah. I'm so good at, well, I shouldn't say I'm so good. I'm decent at making sure the kids' health stuff and appointments and everything is taken care of. Yeah. Really? Not <laughs> so much. Oh, yeah, no, keep going. Really? Yeah. <laughs> health stuff? What do I know? Waffles do for, for breakfast and chocolate chip pancakes. That's health stuff? Anyway. Yeah. I want to start doing it for me too. I've heard of Care Of. I went on their website. They have this awesome, you took it too. I did it. The quiz. Yes. It's so fun. It was fun. fun. Yeah. It's so fun. And it, I love quizzes where you can't get anything wrong. 
It's my favorite <laughs> kind of quiz. And I do, I know my body so well. I'm 41. I know your body, body so well too. <laughs> but I, I'm not good at, I don't know how to take care of the stuff that I know is wrong. I've had the same issues now for years, but I don't do anything about it. So you go on, you take this quiz and it, you, t- you put in your specific issues and it, basically answers your problems for you. You get a monthly subscription delivery of vitamins in this cute little package with your name on it. Every day you just take what's in this package and it takes care of the issues that were a problem for you. So like for me, it's energy, digestion. I put in a few other things and they literally give you the remedy to help you with that. So careof.com and when you check out, put promo code MNM50. For checkout. Got it. Promo code. Yep. So go. Careof.com. Check it out. It's awesome. He hadn't, he didn't have a history of betrayal or lying. And I'm not just talking about cheating, Mm -hmm. but you weren't aware of other times when he had lied to you or anything. It was, it was this one isolated incident. Cause I think that a lot of times it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. It depends, like you said, on the situation and if it's something that has been, you know, surrounded by other lies that you find out and other betrayals, then yes, you know, that, that is, but it sounds like for him, it was this one thing that, that for him, it wasn't like infidelity and you found out about any other kind of lies. It was just this one, you know what I mean? It's, you didn't find out. And I'm not just, like I said, I'm not just speaking about infidelity. I'm talking about anything, you know, any kind of lies about where he'd been or what he'd been doing or, so I guess that probably helped too, was the fact that it was a cut and dry situation. Yeah. Yeah. It was the good kind. I mean, right. I know. I know. And yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, what about friendships? Did you lose any friendships over it? Yeah. Are we recording? Do you want to start recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're recording. We're recording the whole time. Um, okay. Friendships. Um, so when our story went public, I, one of the first things that I was so worried about and that, um, plagued me was I thought, oh gosh, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna lose some friends over this. And I thought, which is ridiculous. It is. But I thought that for about six seconds. And then I thought, because this is my personality, I thought, well, good. Show me who you are. I want to see who walks away. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Right. And yeah. I, I'll tell you that we did lose some friends and that we didn't. And here's how I come to that dual answer is we lost like four friends, like two different couples. We felt them leave. We felt the departure. And if we had had to pick, we would have picked them. And they weren't really true friend friends they were just more of um situational friends you know travel sports and stuff like that with the kids but later i realized you know what we didn't lose any friends because those aren't friends people that Mm -hmm. leave because of something that happened in your marriage um, that wasn't abusive or harmful like in a physical way to, to to where you need to be afraid and protect yourself like those, those aren't friends. (laughs) So we we didn't lose it. In fact, we made friends. We made some of our best friends still today. And I would tell you it's because of what we were going through and how we handled it. Eric married a couple last summer. He officiated their wedding. So this is a guy that Eric works with that said, Hey, get, get married. And I want you to perform the wedding. And Eric's like, 
what now? (laughs) (laughs) But they just had this relationship and he just, he just loved Eric and respected him. And just for whatever reason, the two of them wanted Eric to officiate their wedding. You know, everybody can do that in 20 minutes and $20 on the internet now. But my first response to Eric, when he told me this was, well, do they know our story? Like, because if they did, maybe they wouldn't want you to officiate their wedding. We're not really, you know, the um, poster children for the way to do marriage. And he said, no, they know. And that's one of the reasons. And I'm like, how cool is that? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like, and, and those, that's not the only couple that we call really good friends today um, in the midst of all that trauma. So it actually worked the opposite for us. People say that to me about the podcast a lot. They'll say, how, say how can you do that? How can you tell all this stuff? You know, what if it doesn't work? And then you've, you've told your whole life story and you're all your bad stuff. And then it's out there. And I'm sort of like, well, I, the people who are going to love us are going to love us for our story and, you know, love us despite whatever, you know, mistakes we've made and appreciate the honesty. And those are the people I want, you know? So it's like, it's like when we have people who come to the podcast and they're like, you guys are too, you know, vulgar or you, uh, you know, you argue too much in the podcast. And I'm like, okay, goodbye. Because, you know, you're not, you're not understanding what we're doing. So it's uh, probably better. On the other end of that, like same kind of thing. We didn't marry anybody, but on the other end, people say, like, you guys are our therapy. Thank you so much for helping us. And, th- and we're like, you know our story. Right. We're right? like, you- <laughs> like, you think we're you here listen, as you? saviors for you? Like, right. right. <laughs> like, well, here's like why. When you from- call the bad stuff, I call the good stuff. That's why. Like, you call it bad or they, they say you share the bad. That's the good stuff. That's all I want. It's the I don't real want stuff. And fluff. I had a friend post... Um, the other day online about how they were going on a couple state and she was very worried that she was going to overshare immediately from the get-go with this new couple like she is want to do and so they developed some signals and i think her husband's signal is like that's the <laughs> signal and i'm like um if you didn't overshare with me on the first couple state i wouldn't want another one so right. yeah those are the people that we're speaking to and and that's how we're changing the world one story at a time i agree um was there a time when you were checking his phone or worried that he wasn't, you know, after this happened? Cause I know, cause trust after that can be, I mean, it could be a mind fuck. It really can. You just are like, anytime they leave the house and they don't come back when they say they're going to, or you don't know where they are, or, you know, it, it just, even if it doesn't make sense, sometimes that's just where our mind goes. So Number one, was there a period of time or is there ever still a period of time when you feel like the trust issue is still kind of there? And number two, if there was, how did you get past it? I got past the trust issue in a very surprising way. And don't let me forget to tell you about that, but because I want to start with, um, did I ever look at his phone and, and was I just like, um, you know, watching him like a hawk after he told me and no I never did and I never will because if it is going to go down again it's going to go down whether I'm doing that or not so me um, needing to know where he's at every minute isn't going to change anything it's just going to make me crazy and already dealing with an affair will make you crazy for a period of time 
that, you know, whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger. First, it makes us crazy before it makes us stronger. I think that's a Cloverdale song. Um, so no, it just wasn't something I was going to do. Didn't, I never felt the need. So, um, another moment I got super angry in is very early on in our couples therapy, our therapist said to me, Jody, how did you miss this? How did you not know that an affair was happening? And I, I mean, I don't know where that, I guess because I hadn't had a lot of anger that some, there were some situations where it was just so pent up, I guess it just came out and I nearly screamed. I think I may have screamed because I trusted him full stop. That's how I missed it. I wasn't mm -hmm. looking for anything. Nothing presented to me as wrong or fishy or out of the ordinary because I trusted him 100%. And I don't think I will ever trust him again. And when I said that, she said, well, yeah, trust takes a lot of time to rebuild, but it can be rebuilt. It takes a lot of time. It takes changed behavior. It takes 100% remorse and regret and sincere apology on the part of the offender. And I listened to all that and that made sense. And I said, okay, but I'm probably never going to trust him again. And in my mind, I'm nearly certain that I won't because trust to me is something that you can extend one time. And as soon as you know that somebody is capable of breaking it, then you know that they're capable of breaking it again. And I don't see any way to, to reconcile that thought in my head. But here's the good place I got to. Instead of trusting that he's never going to do this again, because of the hard work and repair and because of the new marriage we've built, that old one was over. There was no saving that marriage, nor did we want it to be saved. So I didn't stay in much, but I stayed with my husband, and we started a new marriage. And in this new marriage, I have immense hope that we will never go down that road again. And so I don't have trust anymore, but I have hope. And then Dr. Phil saved the day. I caught this one minute clip of an old episode he did. And he was talking about somebody that had been betrayed by a spouse. And she was asking, how do I trust again? And he said, here's how you trust again. You learn to trust you because you're going to get through this this time. And then as soon as you do, you're going to know you can get through it again if it happens again. So you trust you is who you trust. And I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. If this ever happens to me again, I'll get through it just like I did this time. And that's what I trust. But trust, get through it again, like you'd, you think you'd still stay with him again? No, I don't think so. Right. Like, I, like, I like, like to have to be tortured twice, that's yeah. almost too much for anybody to bear. Yeah. Well, you know, Maya Angelou tells us when people show you who they are, believe them. And I believe that too. Although I don't believe we are our mistakes because we're all imperfect. We all make them. We all hurt the people that we love the most. But if you do it again, then I'm going to believe that. Like what choice do I have? And, you know, in regards to an affair, I think the worst part of the affair really is more the lie in the concealment and the deception than it actually is um, what happened between the two people. Because it's double, it's a double whammy. And we've always taught this to our kids from day one. And I think we're pretty much done with this lesson. I think we've hammered it in enough, but when our kids screw up and we have to discipline them to teach them something, we tell them, tell us the truth, come clean. And there's one punishment, lie to us, don't come clean, don't own it. It's double punishment. Mm -hmm. 
is the lie is the worst part of it because the lie makes you feel stupid. The deception makes you feel ridiculous. Mm -hmm. All this went down under my nose and I didn't even notice. I didn't feel ridiculous. I felt pissed because I had extended my trust. So, I mean, we all respond to it differently, but the lie, the lie takes all trust away. The lie is like, well, how, how do I ever know you're not lying again? And I know you guys understand this. You've dealt with it and talked about mm -hmm. it too. Like you can't really get past the lie and unless there's never, ever another lie. And so that's going to take a long time to reveal if, if, if we're going to make it through that or not. But so not just what would, if an affair happened again in our relationship, do I not think that we would be able to sustain that? But if he ever lied to me again about anything, mm -hmm. and, and that's really challenging because we are liars, right? We're human beings. We lie because it's, it's easier. It's, it protects ourselves. Um, we don't want the shame. We don't want to pay the price of, of what we did. So we just lie about it because it's easier in the beginning. It always is harder in the long run. Um, and it always it, explodes. Nobody always, gets away with it forever. No, and when you and when there's this big of a lie, the um, if you're gonna lie to me about something small, it's going to feel big, and there's nothing I can do to stop right. that. Yes, and, and that's the situation that he's created, and I I can't apologize to him for that because I had nothing to do with it. He created it, and so he has. Um, it's not that he has this really high standard that he just. It's not that he has to be perfect going forward. That's not what I'm shooting for, but. I, I can't be lied to anymore. I know that. I think that's a pretty simple thing to ask for at this point. You know, I think that honesty is, you know, as much as it might be difficult, if you're not doing anything you need to be dishonest about, then it's pretty easy. Right? Yeah, well, <laughs> and I think that, that you're you telling your story and everything, and even for me, you know, I think in Adam's mind, infidelity is always the ultimate betrayal right like mm -hmm. like in adam's mind that's the reason to leave a relationship that's the thing that well, that's you know, not the only reason right but i think that in your minds correct me if i'm wrong you feel like because you never cheated in some sense that he has some clout with that but i think in some sense betrayal is betrayal and a cut and dry affair that you find out about and can sort of, you know, pinpoint it and put a marking on it of when it began and ended and whatever. But there's so many gray areas and so much betrayal, you know, and so many secrets and so many lies that build up that I don't think they're, you know, I don't, I don't, I think it's all, it all sucks. It's all extremely hurtful and it all requires a lot of rebuilding and a lot of reworking and, you know, we're kind of at that place too, as much as it's not about infidelity, there's plenty of other stuff that's happened. So I identify with so much of what you're saying. And I would assume Adam can identify with a lot of what Eric, what Eric probably went through. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, for people who say, oh, I would never stay, I would never stay. Well, in some ways, you know, there's a lot of other things that could happen too. So, um, yeah, but, yeah, but even like, not that they were lies or anything like that, but when I was, at, you know, I was going away all the time. I was going to Atlantic city all the time. I was, I always thought to myself, but I'm not cheating. I'm not cheating on my wife. I'm not like, so 
I guess I was trying to make myself make it think it was okay that I was just taking some time for myself and being selfish and, you know, self-indulgent and kind of, you know, reckless. But I always said, I'm not cheating on my wife. I love my wife. I'm, I'm not going out with some other woman. I'm, well, I'm and I didn't know home. you weren't cheating. Well, I, okay. But I wasn't even thinking that you were thinking I was cheating. So it, it never came up as a thing. What? No, but no, but what I'm saying is, you know, it, it's the same kind of, it's a trust issue. It's the fact that, you know, once you're willing to do that and leave the family and go away all the time and gamble money that, you know, you shouldn't be gambling and stuff like that, it's a betrayal. So... No, but I'm, I'm just, you know, exaggerating your point of saying, to me, in my mind, I was thinking to myself, right, I'm not for you, cheating. That's the I'm not doing yeah. the worst thing I could do right. to you. Right. I'm taking time for myself, which at that time I said, yeah, I deserve, and but I'm, I'm not cheating on my wife and so right. that kind of made it okayer that I was okayer <laughs> um, if that makes sense yes absolutely and I, I have to be careful not to sound like a minor bird to Esther Perel um, but, but so much of what she her thoughts and her beliefs surrounding marriage and what happens inside a relationship I agree with 100% or at least I can understand which gets me to a good place on you know how I'm going to proceed but she talks about and also, so also when I talk about something she does, I feel like I need to cite her so it doesn't sound like I'm using her words as my own. But she talks about betrayal is not only an affair. There are many forms of betrayal. And I knew immediately where I had betrayed Eric. I, I checked out. I gave up. And that is betrayal. That is not sticking it out through thick and thin and, you know, for richer, for poor, for whatever. Whatever we said 23 years ago, I didn't do it. And... I felt like I was justified in it. Like I've tried, like um, he's married to his career and I'm, I'm never going to be able to change that. And I, I had all these reasons where I thought, well, this is the best I can do, but I knew it wasn't good. But a lot of people will say, well, an affair is a worse betrayal. Is it? I just don't know that that's true. Right. And do we really need, I mean, in some sense, hurt is hurt and lies are lies, you know, and, and it, it all sucks. And, and it all, it, it all winds up with us wondering if we can ever trust again. So, so here's how I, here's how Esther got me. And here's, here's how I started my road to understanding and healing and recovering from all of this is she explained how marriage is so different today than it was back in the day. So for, when marriage was invented, it was not ever for love. Never. It was um, for political gains. It was for financial reasons. It was to merge dynasties. It was um, because we need your cows and you need our wheat and whatever, whatever the reasons were, that's why people got married back then. It wasn't for love. People had an affair to find love back then and people also only lived <laughs> 40 or 50 years back then right. so not only are we not marrying for love but we're not even living very long or we're married for very long today we only marry for love in most you know first world countries i'm not really good on my geography but i think i have that right i don't think that um it goes down much differently today most places so only for love and we're living till we're 90, 100. And so we're expecting these deeply emotional, connected, monogamous relationships, which is never how marriage started out. And we're doing it for much longer. At least we can understand why this is so damn hard, why we all struggle in this paradigm 
And I don't think it's going anywhere. I think we're going to keep trying because I think that that's the only reason we're here. Why else are we here slogging through this life if it's not to learn to love and be loved like it's our damn job? Yeah, and I like to think to myself, just as you are, and I don't know how old you were when it happened, but I like to think to myself, and I said this to the therapist last week when I went with Adam, I said, listen, you know, I'm 41 years old. I feel like we have two options at this point. We really do love each other. I mean, that's not, you know, I think, I mean, I, we really do. And uh, we're at 41. I feel like we could still have this whole second life, this, you know, rejuvenation, this, this whole other, you know, aftermath of starting over from what's happened. And it could be amazing, or I could stop right now and go find somebody else and try to make it work with them. Well, I don't, I want it to be with him. I want to do that. And so that's where, you know, I'm kind of putting all my eggs in that basket right now because that's so what I want. And I know that's what he wants too, but it's, holy shit, is it a lot of work? Like it's so much fucking work and it's exhausting. Um, but I'm hoping that in a year or two, we'll be at a place where you are now where we're saying it was worth it. I bet everybody who said, maybe you should leave, maybe you should start over, will say, wow, she was right to stay with him. So that's my hope. So the other thing that happened at the same time that I flashed back and realized everywhere I had gone wrong, I had the reverse sensation of, you know, when you're, if you're going to die and they say that your life flashes before your eyes, I had the opposite happen. I, I saw our entire uncoupling and um, just demise flash before my eyes. Like if we weren't to make it, if we were to separate, I saw all of that, including new spouses and new children and shared holidays and, um, and money. Like I, what I saw rocked me to my core. Like I want no part of that. I don't want <laughs> anything to do with that. That to me seemed so much harder than, than embarking on, the work it takes to stay and to to forgive and 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 try to trust again if if that's possible for you so in a sense i felt like i took the easy way out and and it was coupled with the fact that the love didn't die and so that's the route i took eric and i are both tauruses we're both he's the baby of the family i'm the only child we're both very stubborn and headstrong um and i saw that if we weren't going to love each other we would hate each other. And I really don't think that there would have been any in between for us. And I just know that about our the two of us. And I just didn't want that. I did not want a lifetime of hating this person. And that's probably more responsible. You know, it wasn't a choice for me to stay. It was from the beginning. I just knew it. I would be doing this. I would be trying. I would be trying to learn how. And I only ever questioned why wasn't it a choice, but that's, and things would come up and then I would understand, oh, well, this is why, because I don't want any part of the opposite way that all of this can go. And I thought, if I don't do this work to fix it, all these things with this man, I'm going to have to fix it with the next man. You know, my, always, my bubby used to say, and I always <laughs> say it, my bubby used to say, she used to say different man, different problem. What I like to say is, you know, different partner, different problem, you know, like I don't like to, because I know it could be, a, you know, women, men, whatever your situation is. Very current status. No, but I hate the different man, different because I know it's not just men, but you know, it is true. Like, you know, it's, it's the same thing with like, you know, that he always gets mad at me about spending and stuff. And I'm like, well, 
you're going to go out there and you're going to marry somebody and they're going to spend too. Like, it's that kind of thing that you take the, the good with the bad and know that the bad is not, is not, um, you know, confined to your relationship. It's every relationship. It's every couple. It's every partner. It's everyone dealing with a different thing. And this was your thing. We have our thing. Not only is, is it our thing, but the percentage of people whose thing it is, is astounding. And mm. it's not really something I paid attention to until it happened to us. And then I couldn't help but pay attention to it. Infidelity is everywhere. It's in our books. It's in our magazines. It's in our movies. It's in our music. It's in reading cards. It's everywhere. Um, it's joked about. And I am a huge lover of the laugh. Eric and I love comedy like it's our thing stand-up comedy especially and we can laugh at almost anything I still can't laugh about infidelity I don't think it's funny anymore I don't know if I ever I probably laughed about it because it didn't have anything to do with me and it, it just didn't seem personal um, and so to me that'll be a, a real mark of healing like all the way and finally if I can ever laugh about it again someday but I don't know <laughs> I just don't mm -hmm. see funny about it anymore and one of the things I noticed um because our story was public, I started the outpouring to me personally of friends and family and coworkers, people that contacted me in support um, of what they had heard and you know how sorry they were of what was happening and what we were going through. I started to keep track of how many because it was overwhelming and it, I, it was somewhere near a hundred people. And I think maybe like five reached out to Eric and that broke my heart for him because he is a good, man he's one of the best people i have ever known he worked as a police officer for 20 years his career was exemplary he went above and beyond he won the medal of valor because wow. he he entered a domestic violence scene where the woman had been shot um, but they weren't able to clear the house and know that it was safe yet but she was still on the line with 911 so she was still alive and he was not going to wait so he went in and luckily um, the shooter was dead already so it wasn't a risk but he didn't know that going in so he won the medal of valor for that and that's the way he conducted himself for 20 years he faithfully served this community and nobody says anything about that and boy that pisses me off that is not okay with me and and it's all of these things lined up to why I tell my story and, and how I was able to stay with Eric and the person that he really is. And he's not his mistake. He's so much more than that. And if, and what I, what I was getting at with that is if I, if Eric can make that choice to be unfaithful, then I know probably most people can is, mm -hmm. is the way I do that. And people will argue with me on that and that's fine. Um, but the number of people that reached out to me and said, this happened to me too. I had no idea, super close friends for decades were never going to tell me this because it was a secret, it was private. It's not something that they felt like they could talk about. And I can, and I'm going to. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when we tell our stories. Yeah. And that's why I, we do it. Yeah, for all the women and men too, but mostly women, they can't talk about it. And I don't know how they heal. Like I. I just am sick for them because I don't know how they heal when they can't talk about it. Right. A therapist helps a pastor, um, maybe one close friend, all of, all of that's helpful, but still on a day-to-day -day basis, they feel pretty silenced. And I remember telling Eric and, and our counselor at the onset, I, I said, here's my biggest fear about all of this. I'm going to do this hard work. I'm going to learn how to get past this. And 
and love better and deal with all of this. And then I'm afraid you're going to act like none of this ever happened. You're going to just forget about it. And to Eric? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That, and I, I, I don't know if I'm explaining that succinctly, if I'm, if I am. That you're going to, that he's not going to remember that he, he did this to you yeah. and that you're going to, yeah, I get that. You're good. So she gets that. I do. Okay. <laughs> she does. Um, that was my big fear is like, I'm going to do all this work. I was the hurt one and I'm going to do all this work. And then you're, yeah. And um, he promised me that that would never happen. He's like, it's not even possible for that to happen. And, and I believe him. This wrecked him. He's still wrecked because of it. Not only does he regret his choice, but he regrets, I mean, just every ounce of all of it. Like, yeah, he's still, I know one of the things you wanted to ask me about is how has he forgiven himself? And the answer is he hasn't. Mm-hmm. And that's a big problem for a couple of reasons. One, we still haven't recovered our income. We're, our income is still 60% lower than it used to be mm-hmm. because I don't think he feels secure enough to get back out there and sell himself again. I think that he thinks he's flawed and damaged and everybody's going to notice and everybody's going to think that. And that makes me terribly sad because of the percentage of men that cheat. <laughs> so half of the people that he ends up interviewing with or, um, you know, trying to work for are also going to have cheated. So I don't think that it's, um, it's logical. It's not a logical thought in his head that he still feels so much shame and remorse about what he did that it's really hard for him to re-engage in life at the level that he used to. And I, I don't know how to help him with that because I've done everything I could possibly have done on my part to help him heal. And it's all been very genuine. And I know he feels that, but healing is an inside job. So while I think we need help from the outside, we can't do it for anybody else. It can only be done inside. And I don't know what's going to get him there. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's anything you could ever do or say to make him forgive himself you can make him feel more comfortable and reassured that the two of you will work and that, you know, you're going to be able to move forward together. But I don't know. I I don't think you can just forgive yourself for something like that. Like I look, this is very kind of new for us compared, you know, it's been three years, like you've said for you guys. Um, But I can't ever imagine forgetting or forgiving. And so no matter what Danielle ever says to me, it's never, if Danielle said to me, I forgive you, now you forgive you. Mm. That wouldn't do it for me. I wouldn't be able to just forget and forgive myself because she said it's okay for me to do so. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, I guess yeah. what you were saying, it's it's from within. Like, how do you find that? And I don't know. I don't have the answer. I wish I did. Well, here's how I know what, how it's so hard for him is because not long after all this went down, I made a huge mistake. I screwed up royally. So, and I have to be careful the way I tell this because it's, it's a private matter, but somebody did something for us, um, a very kind thing. And all they asked is that we, is that we didn't talk about it to anybody. And they had their reasons for that. And I let it, something about that slip to probably the very person out of all the people in the world who I really probably shouldn't have said anything to. And I didn't even realize it at the time. And then I backed later, I was like, oh my God, wait a minute, what did I say? Oh my God, like I let this thing slip. 
impartiality. And so there was this danger that this person was now going to know what this other person didn't want. I, it was a huge mistake, huge. It had big ramifications in our life. And I felt the worst probably I've ever felt about myself that I can remember feeling like, I was like, how could I have done that? It was total, um, like off the cuff, like not intentional. It was just, I don't know what's the word. Words are hard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> wasn't on purpose. Spontaneous. Yeah. yeah. It just happened and I couldn't take it back. Um, we were able to fix it, but I remember feeling so disappointed in myself and so, so overcome with remorse and regret, um, you know, for the friend that had just asked, please don't say anything. And I was like, I don't know how they can forgive that. They did, but it didn't work for me. I was like, I still, I, I don't know how I'm ever going to get past this. And I'm like, this is nothing compared to what Eric's trying to forgive himself for. I can't really explain it without divulging, but it was a big deal. Not as big as Eric's deal, but I, it was enough to make me understand, wow, self-forgiveness is harder. Yeah. I tell Eric, I'm like, I told him, I had the easier job of the two of us in forgiving you. It was easier for me. You're going to have to do it for yourself too. And the reason is because if you can't, it will ruin you. And if you can't forgive yourself, then I don't see how you can forgive other people either. It's that self-compassion and, and understanding, oh, I'm not perfect. And I'm going to have to forgive that and move on if you're going to be able to offer and extend that to other people. But at the same time, I'm saying it's harder. So, I mean, it's sort of a conundrum and a riddle. All of forgiveness is, is hard, but I think self-forgiveness is way harder. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, I, I, I honestly, I can't sit here doing this forever Yeah. or an hour and almost a half. Well, I was going to say, we still have like a whole load of questions and stuff, but will you, will you come back on like soon so we can do a second part? Because I feel like we, I'm not trying to, no, I know, but we still have so many more questions, but were you going to ask something? No, I I just didn't want to, I was waiting for a point where I didn't ruin the flow. And I just wanted to at least let you guys know where we're at and yeah. what you, else you want to go with until we finish. Because how to know how well, I, 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 yeah. you can well, make this as long as you want. Well, no, I would, I would rather do a part two that okay. we could maybe do more like self forgiveness and stuff like that and talk a little bit more about Esther Perel and all of that. <laughs> I know, but yeah. well, you need Perel. to read the book. Did he, did your husband read the book? No, wait a minute. You said she did a um, TED, TED talk, talk, right? I'll, I'll watch that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I loved it. I loved it. Did Eric talks. read the Esther Perel book at all? Or you um, just like, you probably verbatim like quoted the entire thing to him. No, I don't know if I even finished her book. It's, it's I have a weird glitch with self-help books. They, um, I don't really want to read them. Like I can read a novel in a sitting because I get lost and carried away in the story and it's sort of an escape for me. But even the best self-help books, like I just have a really hard time sticking with them. So I read a bunch of it, but more so I've listened to her and listened to her talk and her podcast. Did you listen to her podcast? Yeah, her podcast. She actually, um, couples let her record their actual counseling sessions and she plays them. And um, so it's like, it's like a session of counseling. Yeah, I love it. Awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about where everybody can find you? Because um, if you do not have utter imperfection in your life right now, you need to immediately from here go and, and get a little more Jody in your life. Everybody needs Jody in, her, in their life. That's what I, I, I always say. And also, you have an ebook that I want to hear a little bit about. And we're going to put all your information on our website. 
Um, and so I want, just tell us where everybody can go and find you right now. And if you're driving, as soon as you park and get somewhere, that should be the first thing you do. Well, I blog at utterimperfection.com. That's the name of my blog. And then I'm on social media on all the platforms under the same handle. So Facebook and Instagram. And I think Twitter is Jody Utter, but I'm really not Twittering these, that much these days. So yeah, and the book, I just, I just wrote it and I've, I've put it out there for free for people this month. It's called 28 Days and Ways to Do and Be Big Love because the main way that Eric and I have moved forward is we've learned to love each other for no reason and without conditions because we learned that when reasons are taken away, you could just walk away from love. And that's not really love. Those are feelings. And love is action. Love is a choice. And when you do it for no reason at all, that's the only kind of love that can last because there's no reason for it. When you take away the reasons, you take away the love. So that's what we do. And the 28 days and ways do and be big love is stuff that works for us. Just it's all, there's nothing to spend money on. It's just easy, tangible ways. Um, one thing a day, the book is meant to be read one page a day on um, something that you can try to um, choose love and be love and do love in your relationships because it's not easy. And we do need some help and some pointers and some stories about what worked for other people. So that's what it's for. And it's for free for everybody that subscribes to the blog for the entire month of February. I promise we are going to put a date. I'm going to, in the morning, get in touch with you and we're going to put a second date down because I'm not kidding. I still have like three more pages of things that everybody wanted me to ask and we didn't even get to. Well, we're so happy that you shared your story with us and I think you're awesome and I can't wait to talk to you again. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been um, educational. (laughs) (laughs) And tell Eric that we support him too. Oh, thank you. It means so much to me when people say that. Yes, absolutely. That he's, you know. I hope he gets to meet you someday. And I hope I get to meet you too. I almost got to meet you last June. I know. And then I had to stop. Where where do you live? We're in Oregon. Oh. Yeah. Well, we love Portland. How how far from Portland? Three hours. I'm going on Justin Timberlake. Oh, yeah. She's going to see Justin Timberlake, but she said she was more excited to talk to us. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you go have a good night, and thank you so much. And we will talk to you again very, very soon. I am so excited. Eric sounds like an awesome guy. Keep keep trucking. Keep working.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.